The Bible tells us that every single one of us have been uniquely created by God for a specific purpose. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are His workmanship. He has, he has shaped us. He has molded us. He has created us to be used for His tool for a specific purpose. And there's a lot of different tasks that God has created each one of us differently to fulfill. Uh, that's why the Bible talks about the different gifts that people have to help fulfill the church and help uh, work in the church because we can't all be preachers. We can't all be the pastors. If we're all pastors, who's the sheep? You know, who are we talking to? So there's different jobs that every one of us have been created for and gifted for, and God's given us talents to perform. But there's one thing that God has for every single child of God to do. God has created us to live on mission with Him. God has created us to fulfill the mission that he left us when he left this earth, which we call the Great Commission. Every single believer has a responsibility to get the mission, to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. A lot of times we think it is just left up to the missionaries. It's for the Poes, it's for the, the Waldocks, all these other missionaries. It's, it's their responsibility to get the gospel to the lost world over there. It's the preacher's responsibility to get the gospel to the world over here. And it's my responsibility to just come and listen. And that's, that's false. Every child of God has been commanded by God to get involved in missions. We were made for the mission of the gospel. I believe that if we haven't, and so over the next several weeks... We're going to begin looking at this, this, this series called Made for Mission. We're going to see what God has created you to do in his mission so we can help reach the world with the gospel. And I believe if we have an, an open heart and open mind, the truths that we see through these next several weeks will transform our relationship with God and our relationship to the gospel. It's like this, this step stool. Every one of us, this step still has, has a purpose. It's to help our little toddlers reach the, the, the sink to wash their hands so they're not washing their hands today, parents. Just remember that. You need to have them wash their hands when they get out of the nursery because I've got their washing hands tool to help them reach the, the, the water fountain. Uh, but it's been created for something for a purpose. Now, there's several things. Since we've been made for mission, there are several things we can do uh, to help. We have to make a decision if we're going to live on that mission or not. So there's several things we can do. We can ignore it. We can just say, well, I don't want to use that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use that for what it's for. And I'm going to do my own thing and not worry about it. Uh, we can do what a lot of us do. We can occasionally get on mission with God. We can say, well, I'll, I'll listen to missions uh, sermons, and I'll, I'll give to a missionary when they come, and maybe I'll give to, to Faith Promise Missions when the preacher preaches about it. But that's really that's the extent of my involvement. Or we can determine that we are going to, Lord, please help this work, live on mission with God. Woo, it'll hold me. We can decide we are going to use it for its purpose and we are going to be used for what God has created us for. And we are going to live on mission with God. It almost broke right there. We're going to live on mission for God and allow God to use us for what he's created us for. People, not just believers, people want to have a purpose to their lives. People want to have meaning. They want to be part of something that is bigger than themselves. And it's not limited to just believers for God. People will work harder for less money if they believe in what they're doing. Several years ago, Stanford University uh, did a study to find out if people desired happiness or meaningfulness. 
and to determine that 87% of people said they would rather have a life of meaning than a life of happiness. People want their lives to matter. People want their lives to, to, to be used for something greater than themselves. And so over the next six weeks, we're going to spend some time showing what the Bible says God's mission for you is. And in Matthew chapter 9, we're going to look at God's calling on the life of Matthew and, and see the significance it has for our lives today. So look in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 9, sort of verse number 9. <clears throat> and as Jesus passed from forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. You can imagine the scene that's unfolding in Scripture here. Matthew is a tax collector. He is the most hated person in his culture. People despised tax collectors. His, his parents had turned their back on him. His friends had left him because he wanted, because of the job he had. They didn't want anything to do with him. He knew that in every person's mind, they would pass by him every day, they would think, sell out, traitor, thief. They hated the tax collectors. In the eyes of every other Jew in Jerusalem, Matthew wasn't worth being thrown into the same category as other sinners. They were publicans and sinners. The publicans, in everyone's eyes, were worse than regular sinners. Tax collectors were the most hated group in the culture. And here's Matthew. He's sitting at his, his table. He's doing his job. He's working. People are coming by to him, and they're having to pay them taxes. And, and the thing with Matthew is he got to set whatever tax rate he wanted. Someone would come, and he'd charge them whatever he wanted. He would keep a portion for himself and give the rest of the Roman government. So people despise people like Matthew. And he's sitting in his collection booth, and Jesus comes around and starts teaching nearby. Matthew sees the crowd gathering. He kind of perks up and sees what's going on, and maybe he goes up to the crowd and says, Hey, is this... Is this that Jesus of Nazareth we, we've heard so much about? Because he'd heard about him, but he'd, he'd never seen him. And so Jesus is teaching, and a group of men, they suddenly interrupt Jesus mid-sentence, and they, they bring a paralyzed man and lay them at his feet. But Jesus, he doesn't get upset, he doesn't get frustrated, he doesn't, why, why are y'all letting these people through? I've got things to talk about. Instead, he looks at the paralyzed man and says, your sins be forgiven you. Now, Matthew, I'm sure, and everyone else there, the Pharisees, we know the Bible tells the Pharisees, thought in their hearts, Who, who's this guy to say he can forgive sins? And so Jesus, understanding what people are thinking, he looks at the man and says, hey, so y'all can know I have the power to forgive sins? Take up your bed and walk. And this paralyzed man, he gets up, he picks up his bed, and he, he walks away. And Matthew hadn't seen anything like that before. And then Jesus starts to leave, but as he's leaving... He turns his attention to Matthew. He's walking by Matthew's table. He stops. He looks at him. He says, follow me. That's all he says. He doesn't say, hey, Matthew, uh, I think you're a great guy and you're misunderstood. and I've got some things for you to do and here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over here and do this and you're going to see some miracles and you're going to work some magic and it's going to be great. He doesn't, he doesn't tell Matthew anything. He doesn't say where he's going. doesn't say what he's going to be doing. Just simply looks at Matthew says, follow me. And the crazy thing is, Matthew gets up and obeys. He doesn't, he doesn't go to his, his employer and say, hey, I need a little vacation. I'm going to take some time off to go. He just gets up, leaves everything, and follows Jesus. Matthew didn't know anything about Jesus, didn't know where Jesus was leading him, 
didn't know what Jesus wanted with him. Matthew had no idea what Jesus, why Jesus selected him, but he immediately got up, left his old life behind, and walked with God. This was the most important decision Matthew had ever made. And the fact that, Matthew, that Jesus reached out to Matthew says a lot. Tax collectors, of course, we've already said, were the, were the worst of the worst in their culture. They were Jews that had sold out and had become wealthy through the Roman Empire. People hated them. And so of all the people gathered that day, the one person that Jesus would have selected to change the world, no one would have thought it was Matthew. How could he use this, this wretched sinner, this wretched publican, this tax collector to do anything great for God? But God chose the least expected person. That means God, if God can use, any, can use Matthew, God can use anybody. That means if God can call Matthew, God can call us. And he has. He's called every single believer to be on mission with him. J.D. Greer says in his book, Gaining by Losing, he says this. He says, there is a widespread myth in the church that calling into ministry is a secondary experience that only happens to a few Christians. Their job is to do the ministry, and everyone else's job is to just show up and foot the bill. Few lives cripple the mission more than that one. Each believer is called to leverage his or her life for the spread of the gospel. The question is no longer whether we are called, only where and how. You are called by God. He has chosen you to be an active part of his mission. Look at Jesus' invitation to Matthew. He doesn't say, hey, get in line or do what I do. He simply says, hey, Matthew, follow me. He was inviting him into a relationship with God. Jesus invited Matthew first and foremost into a relationship. The, the relationship wasn't a byproduct of the ministry. Jesus said, hey, follow me. And as you have relationship with me and you walk with me and you live with me and you do life with me, out of your experience and your time with me, then ministry happens. Ministry happens. Mission happens because we're walking with Jesus. The Christian life is not about doing stuff for God. The Christian life is about being with God. Doing stuff for him comes out of being with him. It's shocking to see that Jesus chose Matthew to walk with him, but it's also amazing that Matthew gave up everything to follow him. Matthew had a good life. He was wealthy. He was, he was successful. I mean, hey, people hated him, but he's rich. You know, people say money can't buy you happiness. I'd like to try it once in a while, you know. I'd like to give it a shot and then say, you know what, I've tried it. I've spent $3 million this week, and it didn't buy me happiness, but I had a whole bunch of fun. So Matthew, he didn't have friends, but he had money. He had success. People hated him, but they feared him. But he gave up everything to follow Jesus. He had a good job. He made good money. He was protected by the Roman government. And Jesus' invitation was vague. Hey, follow me. No clue where, clue where he was going. No clue what he was doing. And Matthew eagerly gave up everything and left it all. The first words of chapter number 9 say this, And as Jesus passed forth from thence... One thing you got to understand is Matthew is the one writing these words. Matthew wrote the book of Matthew. And so he is recalling what he experienced when Jesus called him. He's recalling what he experienced when he began following God. Matthew had just seen Jesus heal a paralyzed man. But more importantly, he'd seen Jesus forgive his sins. And so the question that must have been racing through Matthew's mind was, if he could forgive his sins, maybe 
he could forgive mine. If he can make him new, then maybe he can make me new. Jesus' invitation to us takes us from sitting to following. Look at the story of Matthew. He was just sitting there doing his job, and then Jesus walks by and says, follow me. And Jesus' call on Matthew's life required him to get up and do something. It took movement. He had to get up. He had to make a conscious decision to follow. He had to make a conscious decision to move. He couldn't just stay in his seat and follow God. The moment he took a step, he was on mission. But a step of faith was required. For us, God is calling us to get off the sidelines and get in the game of being made for mission. It's going to require us to consciously get up, and it may make us a little bit uncomfortable, but it requires movement. That's what we're going to look at for the next six weeks. So what would our life look like if we decided to live on mission for God? What would our life look like if we decided to fulfill the purpose we were created for? Look at verse number 10 in Matthew chapter 9. And it came to pass, as Jesus said at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Now the book of Matthew and the book of Mark and the book of Luke tell us that the house Jesus is in is Matthew's house. So Jesus walks by Matthew and says, hey, follow me. He gets up and he takes him to Matthew's house. So Matthew goes to his own house. He's got Jesus with him. He opens up his home. He cooks a meal and he invites publicans, other tax collectors, invites sinners in to meet and fellowship with Jesus. So Jesus goes to Matthew's house. Matthew prepares a feast and he invites people into his home to meet Jesus. There is a fear in Christianity. We may not say it, but most of us think it. If I surrender my will to live on mission for God, God's going to call me to some far off country. God's going to send me to Africa. God's going to send me to Antarctica. God's going to send me, so, you know, he's not going to send me to like Sam Orozco to Hawaii. He's going to send me somewhere cold and dreary all the time. He's going to send me to Moscow. I mean, I don't want to go to this far off country. And so there's this fear that if we surrender to live our life on mission for God, God's going to send us to these crazy places. Now, God may call some of us to go where we don't know. But he always starts where you live. He always starts where you're at. Matthew went some crazy places for God. He did some amazing things for God. But he started in his home. He started where he was. Matthew had probably hosted people in his house before, but now he is using his house to be on mission for God. When you go from sitting to following God, God will transform the way you see things in your life. So what are some things God's going to transform? Well, first of all, God will transform how I use my resources. Every one of us in here have been blessed by God with talents and possessions. And everything God has blessed you with, every talent God has blessed you with, every possession God has given you, he's given you for you to use on mission for him. Matthew used his home and his, his food to be on mission. The same is true for us. Our resources are for his mission. Maybe that barbecue grill you're so proud of. And I know some of us think we are the best grillers, best barbecuers in the world. I can cook a mean steak on the grill. It is phenomenal. I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm just speaking the truth here. I'm behind the pulpit. It's true. So I can cook a mean steak whenever April lets me buy the steak. 
But some of us, we got, we got nice grills, we got nice decks, nice patios, we got all these nice things, and maybe God didn't give it for you just to enjoy to your family. Maybe God gave that to you and gave you the ability to cook a good hamburger for you to invite your neighbors over and introduce them to Jesus. Maybe God gave you the talents he gave you to, to use to, to invite people to spend time with God. When God transforms how you use your resources, you look at everything you have differently. Look at your finances differently. Your finances go from being, what can I use this money to buy for myself, to how can I use this money to help get the gospel to the world? Use your, you look at your talents different. How can I, instead of how can I use my talents to, to further myself, how can I use my talents to further God's kingdom? Instead of how can I use my house to, to become popular, how can I use my home to, to open it up for, for God's people? And some of you are great at that. We've got folks that open up their home for missionaries and for other things, and it's wonderful. We're using our possessions for ministry. What God has given you, he has given you to use for him, to bless others, to help others, to further his kingdom, not your kingdom. And we decide to live on mission for God. It transforms how we use our resources. But it also does something else. God will transform how I see my relationships. You know, Matthew had probably had some of his fellow tax collectors' buddies in his home for dinner before. I mean, no one liked them, so they, the only people they had to hang out with was themselves. Because everyone hated them, so when they're gonna, if you're going to have a friend, it's going to be another tax collector because no one else likes you. So he'd probably hosted his tax collectors' friends before, but this is the first time he'd had a religious leader join them. How, how do you think Matthew introduced these two people? How do you think he introduced his friends, these other publicans, these sinners? How do you think he introduced them to Jesus? Hey, this guy, he just forgave my sins today, and I, I bet he can do the same for you. He was eager to have his friends, the people he knew, the people he did life with, he was eager to have them meet Jesus just like he did. He was faced with the reality that he was probably the best chance his friends had to meet Jesus. The people you have in your life, your neighbors, your friends, your family, they were put in your life for you to reach with the gospel. Cool, look, how many of you here were reached by someone? Everybody would get their hand up. We were all reached by somebody. Now, well, no, a preacher preached to me. Well, who invited you to church? Who took you there? Who got you? I got saved in April of 1996 because a, a preacher got up and he preached on the reality of hell and the, the, the truth of the gospel. And I accepted Christ as my Savior. But the only reason I was there because I had a girl who, who she loved me. She didn't tell me yet, but she loved me enough to invite me to church to hear the gospel. I was reached by someone. I was put in her life for a purpose. And it's a good one. To do life together. But I was put in her life for her to reach me with the gospel. People you have in your life, they were put in your life for you to reach them with the gospel. And you have to transform how you see your relationships. Matthew didn't want to waste the opportunity he had to have his friends and co-workers and relatives meet God face to face. When you join God in, on life, on mission, you begin to realize that none of your friendships, none of your acquaintances are coincidental. God has placed them in your life for, so they can have the opportunity for what happened to you to happen to them. At some point, all of us had someone tell us about God, and we can do the same thing for others. Look at verse number 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, 
they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? It's crazy for me to realize that the Pharisees are in Matthew's home. I bet they're you're thinking, you know, what, what is, what's Jesus doing here with the, the tax collectors? What's he doing here in this, this tax collector's home? They must have been blown away by what they see. And that brings us to the third thing that God will transform. God will transform how I respond to ridicule. The Pharisees were the rule keepers. They were the most respected and revered group in this culture. And here they are in the home of the most hated group in the culture. The tax collectors were on the bottom of society. They were hated, but they still wanted to be in good standing with the Pharisees. And so one afternoon of following Jesus, all that changed. The Pharisees, the, the tax collectors, they would still chair and honor and give reverence to the Pharisees because they still wanted to be in good standing with them. And one afternoon, Matthew says, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they think about me. They need to meet Jesus as well. He didn't care about the approval of the Pharisees. You were not made to fit in. You weren't made to fit into this culture. You were made to stand out. And when you're on mission for God, you are not living for the approval of man. You're living for the approval of God. Galatians chapter 1 says this, For I, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For yet if I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Look, Jesus, while he was on earth, he faced ridicule. He faced rejection. He faced persecution. And if we're going to walk with him, we're going to face the same things that he faced. Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of things evil against you falsely for my sake. You know, maybe most of Matthew's friends had, had no interest in what Jesus had to say. Maybe most of them left thinking, why did he invite us here to talk with this guy? That guy has no idea what he's talking about. But what if just one person stayed and said, Matthew, I want to have what you have. I want want to happen to me me to what happened to you. What if just one person, how incredible would that have been? Look at how the passage ends in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. What was Jesus' mission on earth? He was a spiritual doctor. He was rescuing those who were spiritually wounded and sick. That means he came for you and for me. He came for Matthew. He, He didn't come to judge or pile on rules that we could never live up to. You know who wrote the book of Matthew? Matthew did. Matthew was sick and God saved him. Matthew was spiritually dead and God resurrected him. You have no idea the impact that, your, that God might have on your life and use. For, you have no idea that how God can use your life to impact others. How many people have been saved in the book of Matthew? How many people have accepted Christ as their Savior because the truths found in the book of Matthew? Why? Because Matthew was willing to follow God and live on mission for him. There is no greater joy in the journey than walking with God. So we, all of us, you've been made for mission. You've been called by God to live on that mission. What if every one of us would allow God to transform how we see our possessions? Would allow God to transform how we see our relationships? Would allow God to transform how we handle 
ridicule. If we all would do that, imagine what God could do through this church. Imagine how many lives would be impacted with the gospel if every one of us said, God, I will live on mission with you. You're made for more. You were made for mission, and Jesus is calling you to walk with him on mission. Jesus is simply saying, follow me. Will you follow him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.